Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. On my search for the secret sauce of what makes an extraordinary life, I boiled it down to four areas, time, financial, location, and health freedom. And that secret sauce, I'm on a mission to bring entrepreneurs, people on the cutting edge, making a difference sharing their distinctions and insights on this podcast, and hopefully inspiring you to take action. So today, I have a very interesting guest, Brian Clayton, and he's an entrepreneur. He's an author and speaker. He's built. He's the founder and CEO of GreenPal, which we'll find out later. It's an online platform connecting homeowners with local lawn care professionals, which, <laughs> which is really interesting. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Christopher. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, I love talking with entrepreneurs, people that are problem solvers. And so tell the audience about your origin story and how you got started. Yeah, so today I'm CEO and co-founder of a company called GreenPal, like you mentioned. So GreenPal is a mobile app that works like Uber or DoorDash or Instacart, but for lawn care services. So if you need to get a grass cutting service rather than calling around, you just download GreenPal, pop your address in, and somebody comes out and takes care of it for you. GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success. My two co-founders and I have been working on the business for over a decade, but now we're nationwide in the United States, a few hundred thousand people using the app and still growing. So it's, it's going good. But the first few years were, were really, really challenging. But before I started GreenPal, I had a, a landscaping company. I, I was started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. And over a 15-year period of time, built that up into a real business eventually getting it uh, over 10 million a year in revenue and, and selling it. So so I learned a little bit about how to grow and build a business in, in my first company and then sold it, took some time off. And then I decided, well, why can't I be a tech startup entrepreneur? That looks like fun. And it was kind of naivete as an asset, but uh, didn't let that uh, hold me back. And my two co-founders and I just stuck it out. And so now we've, we've got a good marketplace going now. Yeah, that's really interesting because uh, that's that's how you know Uber, Airbnb, Lyft this uh, this two sided marketplace. You have supply and demand. Um, I'm curious. You talk about you have experience scaling a two sided marketplace and any insights um, that you may have. Yeah. So when you're building a a marketplace, you you have two customers. You have the the buyers and the sellers, and you have to cater to both of them. And and a lot of times, both of them are are uh, 
are pissed off at the other side. So it's like, it's like, so in the, in the Uber case, you know, it's like <laughs> the, the, the driver gets, gets upset because they have to wait for the person to come out. And the person that it's like, well, I'm paying them to drive me. They should wait as long as it takes. And so Uber is stuck in the middle and, and they've got to figure out a way to strike a delicate balance between the wants and needs of both sides. We're in the same boat. You know, we, we have to cater to, to long care services that offer their services on the platform and consumers that want to hire them. We have to strike a delicate balance between the two and, 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 a lot of times it's, it's just experimentation. It's not like, it's not like a, a straight line from one end to the other. You're more like a, uh, like a, like a farmer or a gardener where you're cultivating and planting seeds and you're figuring out like, okay, if I do this, what happens? And if I, if I try this, what happens later on down the road? And so it's, it makes it a lot more challenging, but it also makes it a lot more fun and a lot more durable. If you can figure it out, you know, you, you, you have a durable business and that's why it's taken us a decade to get where we are, but but just through trial and error and little by little making it better for consumers and suppliers, uh, I think we've gotten to a good place. Really fascinating because it's all talking about, um, you know, that first, um, you know, zero, I think Peter Thiel, he talks about this zero to one uh, scaling. And it's really once you get this mass adoption, you know, um, I'm sure you'd talk about all the um, different incentives, uh, but what strategies did you use to acquire your first 1000 users for, GreenPal and how has your user acquisition strategy evolved since then? Yeah, you, you know, so you bring up a good point. I love that book, Zero to One. Zero to One is the hardest part. It's because you, there's no roadmap. You don't know what to do. You don't even know if you're building something that people want. And the only way to get from zero to one is just through hand cranking. It's just, okay, um, you know, the phone number on the website goes to my cell. The, the, the email the email from the website is not like uh, do not reply at greenpal.com no it's me <laughs> like like that you have to do that in the early days you have to talk to your customers you have to like really 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 get in the in the trenches with them to figure out what what are they uh, what do they want you what do they want from your product what are, what does your product do that solves a problem for them and where is it coming up short and and the only way to do that is just through hand cranking really really getting your hands dirty and understanding uh, what their needs are and, and where you're coming up short or where you're delighting them where you're not and I think the first hundred sales maybe even the first thousand sales need to be hand to hand combat and uh, because because you don't really know how to scale. Uh, something unless you've kind of hand cranked it for a little while. And so for us, you know, that's how it was for us. We, we spent a year building the first version of GreenPal and we launched it and it was just crickets. You know, it was like, if you build it, they won't come. And, and so we, and so we had this app in the, in the app store and nobody was using it. So the first thing we did is we passed out a bunch of flyers all over Nashville, Tennessee, where we live. And I think we passed out like 300, 400,000 flyers all over town. And uh, we learned a lot doing that. We learned that, that okay, this is actually who our, our, our ideal customer is. This isn't. We thought we thought that 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 our customers would be like high end, the million dollar plus homes because they could afford a gardener and they had all this discretionary income. What we came to learn was no, that wasn't our customer. Our customer was like the working class part of town, because the landscapers weren't returning their phone calls. Uh, mm. They they couldn't get anybody to come take care of this chore for them. And so we discovered that through just a process of of literally hoofing it all over Nashville, Tennessee. And, and that was what we had to do at that stage of the game to get our first hundred and eventually thousand customers. And then after time went on, we began to understand, okay, well, this is more of a way, uh, this is not a scalable way, but now we learned, okay, we can, we can reach these people through organic SEO and through, and through paid uh, Facebook marketing and, and Google marketing. And, 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 and we know, 
uh, what they expect. We know what the value proposition is because we've spoken with them so many times. And, and that began to inform how to scale a strategy and get to the next level of the game, so to speak. Yeah, it's always interesting. It's always about, you know, the early days, it's all about um, doing things that don't scale, getting the product market fit, um, you know, getting the word out, marketing incentives for, you know, both the buyers and the uh, sellers. Uh, who talk about how you approach pricing for GreenPal, what factors you consider when setting your rates, all of that. Yeah, it, uh, pricing is, is, is a never-ending experiment. Um, and, and that's one thing about starting a, a startup from scratch is that you really do have to look at it like an experiment. Everything you do is, is, is an experiment. You can't just say, okay, this is going to be the price and we're just going to roll with that. You know, you kind of have to, to, to iterate through it and tinker with it and figure out what works and what doesn't. One of my favorite quotes is from Paul Graham and he says, action produces information. And so, and so a lot of times, you know, you, you just try something out and then you get the feedback and you measure it. Okay. That didn't work, but why didn't it work? And, and for, for us, pricing is a big part of that. When we first started, we thought that uh, the way to enter the marketplace and to compete was to try to deliver the cheapest way to get your lawn mode. Uh, because I came to the, I came to like the, the starting line from a contractor's perspective, uh, you know, and, and, and if you spent 15 years in the landscaping business, you kind of get jaded because it's very competitive and you think everybody just wants the cheapest price. That's all that they care about. And so I came to the starting line, starting green pal with, okay, we're just going to figure out a way to, to deliver the cheapest lawn mowing that we can, that we can. And so that's what we oriented everything around our marketing, our copy, the, the words on the screen. And what we began to understand over time just through, through experimenting with, with that was, no, actually, consumers, yeah, they were price sensitive, but, but they would pay market price so long as the guy would show up on the day he's supposed to. That was what they cared about. And so they weren't so much uh, concerned about price. They were, they were concerned about speed and reliability. And if you think about it, like, like, like an Uber, you know, would you rather a $4 Uber come in the next hour? <laughs> or would you rather a $7 Uber come in five minutes? It's kind of the same thing for us. People, by the time they, they got around to trying out GreenPal, they had already been ghosted by two or three lawn care services. Their last guy didn't show up, and now the grass is four feet tall. They don't really care if it's $27 or $38. They just need somebody to show up this afternoon. And so hmm. we didn't know that in the early days, but it was through experimentation and, and through A-B testing and, and talking to customers, we began, began to understand that, okay, no, actually we can charge a little more and use that money to then hold suppliers accountable and score them and rate them and promote and, de and demote them based on their reliability because that's the most important thing. We would have never understood that had we not just kind of worked our way through the levels of this game. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting because um, in today's tech environment, data is very important these algorithms and what um, they say that companies that uh, use AI, that companies that don't use AI will be out of business. And so what role has data played with the growth of GreenPal and how do you use data analytics, AI to inform your decision-making? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things when you have something that's working at a fundamental level, and, and you kind of have an atomic unit of, 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 of something that, that, that is delivering value and that people are willing to pay for, then you can use data and, and AI to accelerate what's already working. 
what I see a lot of, because uh, I, I like to coach new founders as a hobby, and, and so I see this all the time. They want to start with AI and data like day one, like right out the gate, and it's like, bro, you don't have free customers. Like, like I don't think you have 10 credit card numbers on file. Like, you don't need you don't need to figure out a way to get 2% on an A-B test or to figure out what data you're going to leverage. To No, you're not there yet. You need to like talk to your users. You need to like get into a Starbucks and and sit down and have a coffee with, with the three people that tried your crappy app last week. <laughs> and the only reason I say this is because I lived, I, I went through this and you need to talk to them and you need to figure out, okay. And then, so let, once we get a handful of people using this and, and then we can start to look at some data in terms of, okay, what, what, what are people responding to? What are they not responding to? What, what, how do we, how do we speak to them in a certain way that that gets them to do what we need them to do, to, so they can help themselves and use our product? And so, little by little, as you get some some traction, you can then begin to use data to to accelerate what's already working. And then the next stage of the game is how do I use AI? How do I leverage this big sea of data to to then make make better predictive bets and better and, and better more informed decisions on on how I'm building the product or how I'm delivering the right result for the consumer. And that's way down the line. You know, to be honest, like my company has. 300,000 customers. We're doing multiple eight figures a year in revenue. And we're just now at the stage of the game where it's like, okay, we're paying, you know, we've, we've got, we've got data, data analysts on the team. How do we leverage uh, this, this type of technology to make better matches, to make more predictive uh, types of, of matches. So, so, so we, we then downstream eliminate the, the negative outcomes. And it's, it's, it's really one of those things you kind of have to grow into and the, and the, the mistake I see is a lot of new founders just want to like skip all this other stuff and go to the sexy thing. And, and it, and it usually is just a big waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. So Will said, um, I was listening to this one, um, interview by Brian Chesky, uh, when he was starting Airbnb, when he was in the Y Combinator and they were, they were saying exactly what you were saying. Cause they were, they were, um, the, uh, Paul Graham was telling them, you know, you have to fly every weekend from San Francisco to New York city, talk with the owners, what, you know, talk with the product people that are using it. And then that's in, in the beginning, you have to do things that don't scale. That's right. And, you know, it's, and it sounds like, you know, like even like Uber and Lyft, they just recently, you know, they were launched back in the 08, 09. And then now they're just approaching profitability. So, um, it's uh, really fascinating how these technology and apps and how you create a marketplace. You know, a lot of like, for example, these exchanges, they face a lot of challenges because um, you're kind of facilitating. But what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced when managing a two-sided marketplace? And how did you address those challenges? Yeah, the biggest surprise. So, so this is this is something that I did not anticipate. So I spent 15 years in the landscaping industry built the company, sold it here. I think I know everything there is to know about this business. And, and I almost like, uh, came to the starting block with, with a chip on my shoulder and man, I was humbled, <laughs> humbled really quickly as to how challenging this was going to be. And the one thing I didn't understand and didn't really understand, didn't realize and what, what became quickly evident to me was all of the reasons why hiring a lawn care service sucks, all of the reasons why they don't show up, all of the reasons why they, they flake on you, all the, the, the mysterious case of the disappearing lawn guy, all the reasons why that exists suck are now my problem. 
hmm. because now I'm building a, a product in the space and I'm trying to deliver uh, an experience like Uber, like Instacart, like Amazon. And so now all of the reasons why that long care guy doesn't show up are now my problem to solve. And, and, and really, in many ways, it's like here I thought I was building a tech company. But I was just going backwards back to day one from like first principles of why the long care guy doesn't show up and 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 why can't he show up and, and solving those problems for, for him or her and starting from that and then and then building the experience for the consumer to be able to to order them off the shelf. So trying to solve the problems for suppliers and consumers at the same time was really challenging. Um, but it was almost fun in a way because it was it was really it was really like one big experiment trying to, to work our way through it. Um, but but that was that was uh, one thing that most that, that I didn't understand and most new tech founders don't understand is that just because you're behind the laptop and you have engineers and you're writing code doesn't mean that you're not like subject to the gravity of of of, of the normal everyday things of the course during doing business like Airbnb is in the hospi- hospitality business Uber is in the cab business uh, at the end of the day GreenPal is in the lawn care business we just make it run faster and smoother. And here we are 10, 11 years later, we are still making it quicker, easier, cheaper, faster, more reliable, more convenient to, to do one thing, order a lawn mowing service. Still solving the same problem, making them better and better and better. Uh, and uh, one one question I had, because the, did you face any uh, regulatory challenges? Because, uh, you know, a lot of these disrupt apps and platforms, you know, they sometimes face incumbent. Airbnb had hotel, Uber had the cabs. Uh, did you face any of those sort of challenges? Yeah, luckily there was no lawn care mafia that, that you know trying to squash us. Like like Uber was going up against like very very entrenched kind of kind of shady institutions that that did not want to see them exist. Luckily we didn't have anything to to that extent, but um, th- there are labor laws in the sense of of who is a subcontractor and who is an employee. Mm. And and I kind of had the scars uh, from this in my first company because we had subcontractors. Every year, the uh, labor board would come in and audit all of our stuff and try to look for ways to classify contractors as employees because mm. they wanted they wanted the VIG, they wanted the the, the unemployment tax and all that stuff. And so I had those scars, and I, I didn't want to repeat that the same in the same way. So so, so right off the bat. Uh, before we over overcompensated for this, but right off the bat, I got with a lawyer and said, "Listen, we want to build this platform in such a way that these people, will, these contractors, will never be our contractors. That we are just a a a lead generation service for them that they pay us for." And so we we were able to kind of sidestep that, all, all of that. Whereas other Uber for X ideas, whether it be Uber for home cleaning, Uber for laundry service, there were other Uber for lawn care services that came and went. They didn't really understand that from day one and they got they got caught up in a lot of regulation in terms of no actually these are these people using your platform are your employees they're not your contractors and, and that that's a mess that when that happens that just destroys the entire platform and so so we we almost to answer your question almost were, were uh, subject to some of those sorts of things but we, we were luckily were able to sidestep them you know early on by the way we positioned ourselves hmm, I love that um, as we come to kind of the final things I know Behind every tech platform, there's employees. Um, so talk a little bit about the key skills and abilities and quality. And then finally, to close it out, how do you balance the need to innovate, stay ahead of competition? You know, you mentioned earlier this um, positioning yourself. And then how can people find you, contact you, follow you, et cetera? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, every every startup goes through three phases, you know, the, the, the startup, the grow up and the scale up. And in the startup phase, you know, it, it's just you and your, your co-founders and you're trying to get something that works. Maybe you're hiring some contractors, a couple of key people. And then during the grow up phase, you know, it really comes down to getting new people on the team, getting people that are specialized in, in, in the things you were kind of doing in your, in, in your part time, you know, in your spare time. And, and then there's a scale up where it's managers upon managers. And so right now we're kind of halfway through the grow up. And uh, it is it is all about team. It is all about how do you get the right people on the bus? How do you prune out the wrong people? Um, one thing I have learned was like, I, like, don't tell me where you went to school. Don't tell me, you know, t- show me what you've built. Um, it's not who you know, it's what you've built, it's what you've done. And so that that's one thing that that I have really learned the hard way over the last 10 years was to really look at um, not necessarily what somebody's resume looks like or or what their you know what their pedigree looks like, but what have they actually built um, and put into the world? Even if it failed, what was it? Give me some kind of evidence that that you're a curious person, that you that you have a chip on your shoulder. You know, maybe you weren't picked for the football team in high school and, and you've been trying to prove yourself ever since. And, and you're, you know, the business that you're working in is the way you do that. You know, that's kind of the way I am. And that's kind of the way my co-founders are. So I look for those types of things. I look for those types of people to, to bring on and, and uh, you know, hire fast, but fire faster. You know, when somebody's not a good fit, you got to prune them out and, 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 and get somebody else that is. And mm. so, yeah, that's that's how we look at team building and. Your second question was around, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, stay, keep innovating and, and stay out in front of the competition? A um, couple ways, you know, I, I try to, one thing I try to do is I try to use every product out there. So, so it doesn't matter, like, like I've driven for DoorDash, I've driven for Uber, I've driven for Lyft, I've hosted on Airbnb, I've, I've walked dogs on Rover and Wag. <laughs> and, and I'm always using these, these, these multi-sided marketplaces to try to, figure out okay this is a company that's raised 10 billion dollars you know they have a team of product developers they have a team of, of data scientists and, and and so how do i learn from them and what they're doing and apply it to to what i'm humbly doing in, in lawn care um so that's one way we you know we stay out in front of of, of innovation another thing is we we use our own product you know I, I still sign up for my own product once a week i use it i own some 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 real estate investments so a few little rentals and so i'm always using the product to manage those you know to manage the, the lawn maintenance around those and just by doing that <laughs> as simple as that sounds i'm always finding ways to make it better and and so that's 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 one way we do it and we use our competitors products too you know we're in and and uh you know, I think it was a Steve Jobs quote, you know, great artists steal. And, and so we're always like getting ideas from from other from competitors, direct competitors, but people also in, in complementary spaces. So. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's how we that's how we kind of bootstrap innovation, I guess you could say. And I love that. Um, yeah, I know. Um, and, you know, I love that that quote, uh, just borrow ideas. It's really leveraging and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, if, yeah, if, how- if it's good enough for Steve Jobs, it's good enough for me. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I'm always trying out new stuff as well. Uh, how can people follow you on social media, check out your website, contact you? Yeah, sure. If anybody doesn't want to mow their own yard, uh, you know, I know you've got some bunch of physicians listening to your uh, your podcast. They're better off, uh, you know, doing their highest and best use uh, skills. So no, no need to waste time cutting your own grass or maybe your lawn care guy ghosted you. Just go to greenpal.com, sign up, get some free quotes. 
Uh, and then anybody wants to hit me up, uh, Instagram's the best place to find me. Brian M. Clayton, just drop me a DM there. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, let's thank Brian for uh, talking about applying, you know, concepts of uh, network technology to a very interesting field lawn care and be sure to check him out on instagram he's got thirty-two thousand followers uh, i've just followed him and twitter and linkedin and with that thanks so much for coming out to the podcast thank you christopher i enjoyed it i hope you really enjoyed that wonderful inspirational motivational piece again if you wherever you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week